Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Hey, we're back. It's that time. Just came. Yeah, the very good job. That you guys. was awesome. Very yeah. silent. The whole crew just fell silent. Yeah. Perfect. It's that time. It's Sour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. You're in the Brewing Network studios, downtown Concord. Bevo gone? Oh, long gone. Long gone. Her mic, her mic cord is still sort of swinging slowly <laughs> in the wind. See you later, Beaver. Uh, she was here, though, last show. Thank you for joining us again from that show. Scott's here. Hey, Scott. Hey, Jay. Good to see you, bud. You too. Uh, tonight's guest, a brewery from Berkeley, California, The Rare Barrel. Never heard of it. Hello. Yeah, that's where you Howdy. guys all say hi. Clap, 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 hey. clap, clap. Oh, that's hey. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Every if you show, want to talk to these, these guys, contact us, 888-401-BEER. Join they, us in the chat. They may not talk back. No, definitely not. <laughs> you can try. Email us feedback during the week. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Watch us. Brewingnetwork.com slash TV. Listen live. Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile. Subscribe and leave feedback on iTunes or wherever. And we're going to bring you. Oh, shit. Not yet. Not yet. Not okay. yet. Coming back from the the first break, Mike has left the first example that we're looking for of leaving feedback and suggesting a song rejoiner, and we're going to do that after rejoiner. the first break. I don't know if it's actually live yet, but Mike will just tell us if it's not, like, what, what the song is. Can you see it already? Oh, or no? uh, I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see. Uh, oh, it doesn't look like it. That's fine. It may not have been updated, but we'll just do it anyway. That's fine. Review of the week. <laughs> this is from Captain Bronco, who says uh, the title of the Go review Broncos. is Unsubscribed. He says, uh, <laughs> the lack of a Brew Guru live read has made this podcast unlistenable. Have you seen what the free Brew Guru app can do for you? Built for homebrewers and beer lovers, Brew Guru delivers sage brewing knowledge and money-saving deals at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops. The Is American that- homebrew... What, Mike? Review of the week. Is the emphasis correct there? Is it guru or is it guru? Put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. American Homebrewers Association designed this powerful mobile app to help homebrewers and craft beer lovers explore the wild world of beer we all share. With Brew Guru, you can effortlessly find deals to save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. Level up your brew IQ with hand-picked articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the American Homebrewers Association and Zymergy Magazine, great magazine, and use the powerful brewery locator to find nearby breweries, taprooms, beer bars, homebrew supply shops, and brew pubs wherever you are. Brew Guru will lead you to good beer. Get the app today and follow the path to beery enlightenment. It's free for iPhone, iPad, Android, and Nokia. I just added that. <laughs> Is that something? Not a thing. What about Kyocera? Yeah. Learn more at Homebrewers Association. 
dot org. All right. The way you say that, Brew Guru, is that G O O R U or is it? It's a goo. Is it goo? Like G O O dash R O O. How do you spell it? I'm a smeller, not a speller. <laughs> you definitely are. Just made that up. <laughs> That's great. You're okay. the best, boss. Thank so you. So G U R U, correct? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Brew Guru. I would go Brew Guru, but it's not my show. But if it was, I would say Brew Guru. Mm-hmm. Not what, Brew what else? Guru. You should, you should go design on. an app. <laughs> I, should, I might. I might. I'm go thinking on. about it. It's a lot of money. Else? Brew, Guru. Brew Guru. Go online. Google Brew Guru. It'll probably lead you there. It's a ton of good stuff. It's great radio. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of... I'm mic. Yeah, thank you, Stephon. Uh, we're back with the Rare Barrel crew. We won't do the intros again. What, what, what beers do we have open? What is this? That I have here. It's amazing, whatever it is. I have this. Just pouring the little goblet. It's um, it's a sour brew that's, that's been around for a so good. bit in Europe. I don't know Never that much it. about it. They're a Belgian Cantillion. What is it? Cantillion. Yeah, I think it's Falfonier. 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 It looks like, like it's fun. a an apricot. I think that's a yellow fruit. Funyan, like fun. Funyan. Oh, fufun. Yeah, fufun. Oh, fufun. Hold on. Can we talk about apricot versus apricot pronunciation for a minute? <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, begin. Yes, what is what point would you like to make? I think I might be the only person on staff who says apricot. Me. And I've asked all... Me, okay. apricot. Uh, in my camp. certainly apricot. It's apricot. Okay, never mind. There's a lot more consensus than I was originally Stephane, aware of. Stefan, you have a lot going in your head that we don't know about. But... No doubt that's it's true. De- there's definitely not consensus. And I say apricot. I, I ask all my friends. Reason. I come you, you from. Take, you, <laughs> is this those what are you, not, this those are not my parties? coworkers, by the way. Um, apricot. Just your words. I, apricot. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Apricot. Team J. Google. Point, point of context. Apricot. I, I don't care. <laughs> I come from the Central Valley of California, a noted agricultural production region. Noted apricot the, stalwart. Stalwart. You might call them star, stalwart, stalwarts. Dummy. <laughs> Dummy. I see Scott looking at me right now, and I don't, I don't really know where this is coming from. Mike and I are sharing a microphone, by the way, um, just for context. We can move on. All I want to say is, I think I know what I'm talking about, and I say apricot, apricot. is valid. Okay. Apricot is valid. <laughs> Moving on. You say tomato, I say DMS, you know? Apricot. I heard that. We are off to a start. Yes, we are. It's something. Yes. All right. Transition. Got it. I don't know what to transition to after that. We Map of the sun, rare barrel. Map of the sun, apricot sour. <laughs> I've never that's had good. that that's one. I've had bananas. Yeah. I've had a map of the moon that's an apricot sour, but I'm not familiar with map of the sun apricot. That's interesting. I'll have to try that one. Please do. Continue. Sorry. I, yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I quit after hosting. That, yeah. I, mean, I apologize. <laughs> Get, get us to a question already. Okay. Yeah. You questions, invited us anything, today. please. Yeah. Questions brought to us by SourBeerBlog.com, the longest-running sponsor of the Sour Hour, and now they're coming up with their own brewery. It's Farmhouse and Sour Beer Focus in central Pennsylvania. Help them get started. Join their Founders Club. It includes a metal challenge coin. You really don't need to know about anything else. Check them out. Mellow Brewing. 
mellowmink.com. Yeah, I'll, th- I'll just throw in there that you, sh- you get beer, too. Founders Club beers. Yeah, I guess so. There's yeah. beers. There's a sweatshirt. It may, may or may not, not have a zip. It may or may not have a zip. I'll, I'll get it either way. I don't care. You're going to join. I'll join. I prefer to zip, but it's kind of exciting not knowing. A pullover would be great. You know, I'm usually a zip guy, but if that changes up my style, I'm you know I'm kind of open to that. That at uh, this point in your life, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> For those beers, as good as they're going to be, I'll wear anything. There you go. Okay, Ruth. let's get a question to just get us off of this. <laughs> All right, let's see that. All right. This is from Justin. Justin says, um, "Hey, a question about uh, alternatives to oak barrels. Uh, have any of you played around with woods outside of oak, like such as chestnut, a cedar, or other exotic wood types?" He says uh, he knows Jester King, for example, did some cedar spirals in El Cedro, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, where's he writing in from? Maniacal Brewing. Mm. Justin is the uh, co-owner and head brewer there, but he said that they're working on doing some projects there, uh, replacing one to two staves in an oak barrel with a custom stave made from exotic types of wood to see maybe the flavor impact. That's Has anybody cool. in here played with any other woods other than oak? First off, that's cool. I, maybe while we're answering this, you can look up where a maniacal brewing is. But yeah. uh, Mike, do you want to talk about the some of the trials we did with uh, different types of wood? Oh, I know Aaron, our ex kind of R&D coordinator, who's now at uh, Cellar Maker Brewing, making fantastic beer over there. We miss him very dearly. He was doing a lot of trials, and we kind of had some some tastes of different, all sorts of different woods. I know he wanted to do Palo Santo and cedar at one point, but he had found a source of, I think it was like apricot wood and like apple wood and woods that pecan. I... Pecan. yeah, exactly. Pecan, pecan if you will. <laughs> I think it was woods for, like, he bought them from, like, a company that uses them for smoking. Yeah, yeah for smoking, barbecuing, mm-hmm. and he just kind of, like, put them in a bunch of kegs. Like, he split off one gallon, two gallons, and... To be honest, I was extremely skeptic, and I was like, this is, we're using smoking woods, we're putting them in beer, this is going to be gross. But, to my surprise, I think we paneled the pecan, apricot, and like apple, uh, and some of the other woods, and I think one of the favorites was probably the apricot or apricot wood, depending on the, uh, the, ape, du- the dummy rig. The uh, wood. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the takeaway for me was that, you know, obviously, like, a lot of bigger breweries, you know, uh, Dogfish Head has the Palo Santo, they... They obviously invested a giant oak tanks to make their Palo Santo Marone, and that works well for them. There's a ton of oak alternatives out there. I think it's just like, yeah, if you can buy a few things, it's like JLE says, if you can get something on a small scale and submerge it in some beer if you like the flavor, yeah, I mean, if it scales, absolutely. Some of the woods we weren't as, I don't remember exactly, I'd have to look back at Aaron's extremely detailed Great elite attention to detail. I miss him so much. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah, pear wood as well. Good call. We had some great trials with. Thank you, Daniel. A a lot of those, a lot of those woods. I think he just literally came in a box and was like chipped up wood, and he put them in uh, our our, our sour beer. And personally, I was really excited about those flavors. It was very unique, maybe not so marketable, but it was a very cool flavor we got out of those. That wasn't per se like putting a, a couple staves in a barrel, but it was taking these very specific, like specific fruit hardwoods and soaking them in sour beer. And we got some really cool results. They were very uh, intense, if I remember. Like this was man, a year and a half ago when he did these. Yeah, probably about that. We got some very in- intense results, but they were very cool. They were very unique. I would say adding those in a blend might be something cool like i i still wish we followed through that a little bit more but those flavors were very unique so on a homebrew scale i can say i've done kind of a little mini version of this experiment before i even worked at the rare barrel 
where I found different woods used for smoking and just put some chips in a bottle for bottle conditioning and took the same kind of neutral blonde ale and just put a bunch of different chips in different bottles. I also did it with a sour cider uh, with seven different wood chips and took notes on that. Do you remember any of the notes? What Uh, were the standout points? I I remember cedar being particularly cool. I'm kind of a big gin fan. And so especially with the kind of tart apple cider, a little bit of a wild fermentation from like what was on the apples, having like the cedar in that and kind of giving it an earthy, piney flavor was spectacular. Then I also did a, did an apple wood that was good, and we did we did do a pecan. I am like allergic to pecans and was kind of nervous about that tree, so I didn't really have that one. But it was noted as in my group of friends as being really nutty and kind of a little dirty, like earth dirt, hmm. which they described as a positive flavor, which we often you know describe things as positive flavors that don't actually sound positive when you horse say the blanket. word. But yeah, like yeah, horse right. blanket is yeah. a very popular one. But sure. yeah, it was... Uh, so you can d- totally do that on a homebrew scale and it's really cool learning experience. Anything you remember not working? We did a hardwood... Oh no, we did eucalyptus. Ooh. That was awful. Why? What was wrong with <laughs> It tasted like poison. Ew, huh. Like, like medicinal chemically? Like, yeah, like if, I mean, eucalyptus is a great smell for like lotions and things. And um, we've done, we've used it as firewood and for even, we've used it to smoke meat before. But putting that, having it soak in liquid definitely extracted something that seemed quite poisonous. And interesting. Medicinal, yeah. Hmm. yeah. One interesting thing to note back when, I think, I don't know what the batches were, but back when, before Stefan, Aaron, and I took the reins from Jay in terms of fermentation, we did a lot of Brett the dark C. ages. The dark ages. Like back when Jay was just, Jesus. Now we're in the Renaissance. <laughs> now we're in the, yeah. Well, I mean, back <laughs> scurvy was rampant. Back when we did a lot of a lot of a Brett C. Brett C. Primaries. Uh, one thing that a, a constant tasting note in a lot of the barrels that were primarily fermented with Brett C. Regardless of the bacteria strain. You know, Jay talks a lot, a lot about on the early sour hours, we did Brett C and PDO, Brett C and Lacto, Bucneri, whatever. Consistent tasting note from those barrels was like a cedar characteristic. So, mm. you know, not to kind of draw at straws, but that was a, a seemingly positive aromatic. I think there are mouthfeels and sweetness or body that you can pick up from certain oak characters or wood characters in general. So I think that's, you know, if you're going into playing around with secondary additions, a lot of people, particularly wineries, I mean, we've gotten wine barrels before that we've pulled oak staves or spirals out of, and a lot of people will use that. Some people recommend steaming or treating with, you know, soaking in a, in a, in a hot water bath or maybe even in your, whatever your, your product is, whether it be beer, spirit, or wine beforehand. You know, you get into some of the, the gray areas of legality with that, so definitely pay attention to your to your laws there. But it's easy for us to say, oh, do something on a small scale and then blend back. Obviously, that's all we do. Easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a ton of potential. It really is just do your research. If you're going into something that you're just kind of, you have to blindly commit a certain X amount of your stock, something like a, a wood from a spiral that is 
more or less proven on a scale, yeah, it sounds great. You can scale that up. Something as exotic as, you know, we talk about our applewood, pecan wood, pear, apricot, apricot, whatever. It's like, yeah, it sounds great, but it was well-received, and we'll see what happens. If you have a smaller sour program, I would obviously say tread appropriately. But yeah. there are a ton of opportunities to oak slash wood alternatives, I think. Hmm. Those trials were very intense from what I remember as well. So if yeah. you are doing a small scale, like you don't have barrels to expend, go in a little cautiously for at least what we're talking about, kind of the fresh wood, the apricot, the pecan, those kind of things. Like we had few, a few that were favorites. Some were like super cool flavors, but you definitely want it small increments. I think pecan, especially to me from what I remember, was like, a leather tobacco, very intense, spicy flavor that on its own I thought was way too much. But as a curiosity, as a flavor, was a very cool component for blending to add something cool to a beer. So if you are going to those flavors, I, I would say tread cautiously. If you are going on a very small scale, five to gallons, you know, you could have some cool results. I think it's interesting the the marketing aspect that got brought up earlier we got Danielle in the room, who works for us at the Rare Barrel in sales and marketing. Danielle, Danielle maybe you could come up and grab the microphone. Way to go. Yeah. We age our beer in oak barrels. Yeah. That's one thing, right? And there's this you know, romanticism about we're going to age in the oak barrel. But then yeah. we start to layer in individual oak or even other types of yeah. wood samples. Thank you, Stella. You're really helping. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about, you know, almost using oak or wood as an ingredient. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges of maybe just how people approach? Because, I mean, something that comes up in beer making and uh, in sour beer making, too, is some ingredients, there's sometimes like a stigma attached to them almost. Or like there's there's certain hangups about process and this might be one that you know you could kind of come on com- comment on from the sales and marketing perspective. There are absolutely issues that we have to encounter when we use um, certain ingredients in our beers. For one instance, I'll comment on: we just sold across the sea, and coriander is a very polarizing ingredient. A lot mm. of people don't like coriander. Some people claim they have allergies to it, which I believe they do. I'm and glad you believe that. Don't, don't, they, <laughs> don't, they, don't they have fake you service it. dogs that can help with that? With coriander, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So many things. <laughs> However, this is like a common ingredient, and in, it's all dependent on how you present it. Mm-hmm. If you present it as this is an experiment, it's a little bit taken better. If you just kind sure. of lay it out there as like, we just put these spices in here, it's more difficult, obviously. And in certain areas of even California, they're received better than others. Like we were down in LA for a beer fest and that was one of the most popular beers that we had, but it doesn't sell that well up here. So, yeah. Um, and across the sea, great beer. You think it's across because of the, the ingredients beer. being listed on yeah, the there's, label? Yeah. Like Daniel's saying there's polarizing great, great ingredients. Great yeah, I think that's a staff favorite for sure. And then, but then there's. I mean, something that oak, we've noticed I mean, is like if it's heavily fruited, if there's more than one fruit, if it's like an ex- exotic fruit, it sells better. Yeah. If we experiment with spices, peels, stuff zest. that we're, we're zest. Yeah. Peels, zest. Either or. Teas, even sometimes stuff that production is, and myself, uh, as well as the sales team, is extremely excited about. There's, it just doesn't translate to what our consumers want all the time. So mm. we just kind of have to be proactive about 
what we're producing at how what quantities and how we're going to present it to our customers. That's, that's a common of, theme across craft brewing. We hear that a lot on the set. Like if you've been listening to the session for a while, you know, you've got your kind of almost brewer's beer series where it's like this is stuff we like. Maybe the ingredients aren't as marketable. But it's just it's in balance and it adds to the beer in a great way. And maybe it's before it's time. Maybe the time will never come. See session beer. And, you know, that's just going to be <laughs> a thing. Corner, but specifically with oak, you know, it's like uh, our name is the rare barrel. We obviously age all of our beer in oak barrels. Is it weird to supplement from your perspective our like oak aging already with additional oak, you know, additions in either spirals, chips, cubes, and, and like uh, the email said, which I think is pretty cool, replacing a couple of staves inside of an oak barrel. I'd be curious to see the results of that and see how much extraction they get over time. What are the challenges associated with that when you have to, you know, we're making the beer and we're just trying to make the best beer possible from production. And then we hand it to you and we tell you how we made it. And then you have to deal with, you know, regulations and how you put it on a label and all that stuff. So there's kind of two parts to this question uh, that you're asking me. One, I might not be the best person to answer this because because also I I also get really excited about these experiments that we're doing, and I'm not your general consumer. So um, where you guys have creativity in in creating these these beers to to sell to drink for our customers, my creative outlet is writing labels and coming up with graphics and how to write emails and present it on our website and all of those things. So there's a different creative outlet for me. Um, So I get excited about that stuff and I constantly think of how to present it to our customers so they get just as excited as we do. Sometimes it doesn't translate. That's one thing. When it comes to regulation, there's a, so in California, it's really easy. It's easier than a lot of other states to you know, get a label approved. For us, we literally just have to put golden sour, dark sour, red sour. Golden sour beer. Golden sour beer. Yes, it has to be beer or ale. If we were to do a sour I, I stout. I actually saw a post about ale today from uh, from someone else on Milk the Funk, and that was rejected. But anyway. Wow. But, golden sour ale. Right. No kidding. Uh, but oftentimes, like for, for ABC in California, we don't have to put what type of fruit, what type of spice, what additions are in there. For TTB, though, they're very regulated in what ingredients we can put yeah. on there. So for us, it doesn't really matter that much unless we're sending beer across state lines. Like for GABF, we will be. So we have to do a lot of submission of labels. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, we don't have to do that. So we don't encounter too many do issues. Do you find that? Do you think there would be, if we ended up releasing, which we haven't yet, we haven't released a beer that is like, let's say we take the uh, apricot wood, looking at you, Stefan, with that pronunciation, <laughs> and let's say we make, you know, our map of the sun, our apricot golden sour, aged in oak barrels with apricot wood. So, like, is that wood. is that how we would say it? Or like, let's say we're actually using that wood as a supplementary ingredient do you think there'd be a, either a regulatory problem or a marketing problem associated with that? I think if we're pairing apricot wood with an apricot sour, it's um, at least in the state of California, it'll be easier to get to pass approval for regulation purposes. Um, it's also easier to, say, to sell if it's paired with a fruit. 
I think if it's not paired with a fruit, it'd be a little bit more difficult on my end. Pecan and boysenberry or right. something. Right. If it was just a pecan wood beer, then it might be diff- more difficult. Even though that could maybe perhaps hypothetically be a great combo or something like that. At least some things that I do encounter, is, especially with uh, label descriptions, is being really creative with the use of words that I have. I don't have an exact example off the top of my head, but something that has maybe a spice addition that doesn't sound that pleasing, I get to be a little bit more playful in how to describe it to make it more alluring to our customers. For sure. It's it's a whole different dynamic to it, you know, where, I mean, we're all very interested in trialing out new ingredients, whatever they might be, and we don't want to be limited by kind of the the regulatory or even the marketing aspects of it. So we, we have a great sales and marketing team who works with us all the time and they really give us the freedom where that's like, you guys make the best beer possible and we'll try our best to sell it. And to Danielle's point earlier was like, you know, sometimes that can be successful and you guys, you know, we're, we're working together and that works out well, but sometimes there are market factors that are just like, you cannot overcome the fact that, no one wants a coriander beer, even though, you know, we think this beer across the sea is one of the best beers we've ever made. And if, if you get a chance to buy across the sea, if you see it on the shelf, I think everyone in the room is shaking their heads. You should buy it. It's really good. I take home bottles and drink them regularly. It's amazing. But it is a polarizing ingredient. Um, it's, it's kind of like, so as far as I understand it, coriander is like the seed of salon. Seed of celery. Cilantro. Oh, celery. Cilantro. Don't say cilantro. Is that right? Yeah. And, and then people have this weird thing with cilantro, yeah, right? Where it's it, like yeah. you eat it and it tastes like crazy bad. Yeah. Soapy. Soap. It's like a taste bud thing. Some people just Thank God I'm not one of those because I, I love it. effing love Real. cilantro so much. Yeah. It's crazy. Real quick before we're off yeah. track, like we're all here on the sour hour right now, and there's six of us plus Jay making the beer. You're fired. Nah. <laughs> you can fire me quick. I, I, I hereby exile you yes. to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, everyone's here on the sour hour. It's a, we're having a good time, but we make the beer. Danielle sells the beer. That's just as important of Absolutely. what we do. And I think that's a very unappreciated job that we don't see in the beer making it's like yeah we make the beer that's kind of cool but we don't really neither side can give a hand the to other. the people that actually get the beer out of our cellar yeah, yeah. So we should even that, little... that might be even be an episode we'll yeah, get, we'll get be... our staff in yeah. here and we'll even call some other breweries on the other side tasting room people sales people sure. brewery owners and what are the challenges and the selling of sour beer because I, I mean I've shied away from like kind of a lot of the business aspects of sour beer because that, that's not like really my thing. I, I love working with the people sure. in this room on the production of the beer and everything else is kind of just something like I feel like I have to do and I don't feel qualified to host a podcast on like brewery running or anything like that. I'm still like learning to do that these guys all know cost of good I mean, soul with Jay they know, they're, all, they're all like Doesn't have the same guitar they're all intro. remembering the 10 to 15 mistakes in the last two months that i've made and stuff like that but it's just like 15? sorry 30 to, 40, 30 to 40 30 to 40 
Thank you, Mike. I'm not counting. You're doing a great job. <laughs> One a day. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's an important part of it. And, you know, it's not something we've gotten into too much, but I think maybe that's another, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up with show ideas during this show. No I like it. Well, yeah. It's also super, uh, I wonder how many other counterintuitive points we're going to hear because I, Mike, you originally were like, oh, well, you can use other woods, but they're hard to market in any way. And then I was like, wait, really? I'm thinking in my head, the more unique sounding things you have on the label, the better, right? Sometimes. Daniel's saying yes, but maybe sometimes no. Like, it's, you, you really never know yeah. until you take it to, Interesting. to well, the customer. You really don't. And that's the biggest thing. I feel like when you listen to the show and there's you got a lot of home brewers out there, a lot of people that, like, you have a couple of oak barrels and you're starting the sour program. And your first sour is this, like, I got two gin barrels and then I got, like, juniper berries and some smoked mesquite. And it's my, it's our first sour beer and it's effing awesome and people are going to love it. But, like, you're known for making... What was that, Tommy? Hold on. That's what? You can't sell it. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get Tommy to my... What did you say? say? I said... Tommy, Tommy. I said he can say fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey. Tommy, I'm going to... I might have to put him on timeout. <laughs> no, but I mean, as as beer makers, you know, you're so into your craft, and you're like, you know what? I'm making the sour beer, and I put my blood, sweat, and tears. I was here till eight o'clock, filling these barrels after my IPA brew day. A.M. since seven forty-five. Yeah, like I put in a sixteen-hour day, and it's like you. Of course, your blood, sweat, and beers or tears, whatever, into this. You you can't. It's hard to step back and realize that, like, sure, sour beer is extremely marketable and sexy in your eyes, and maybe it is in your market. But a person like Danielle can come over and say, like, hey, there's economic pressures, and X amount of people aren't going to buy your silly little grisette that you think is really cool and it yeah. tastes great. And sure, you guys all killed a five gallon, six of you one day. It's like, <laughs> like okay, like, can you put apricots in it or apricots in it? Like, I'll, I mean, oh, but I'll, I mean, no, this one tastes good. You don't I'll need comment anything. On that and sure. I'll comment on that. And there's, there's a decent amount of beer that we pr- produce that we are like over the moon about small axes. One of them are our, our low ABV passion projects. Passion sure. projects, exactly yeah. passion projects. And I would say maybe of who we sell to and who our our customer base is. There's probably like 10% of our customer base that are extremely just as stoked about those passion projects that we are. So it's part of my job to kind of relay information to you about how much we can make because what is what is feasible to sell volume and some i mean as much as we want we put out there like awesome fruit beers and like secondary additions that people will buy those kind of also help fund these passion projects for us and continue our experimental growth as a as a production facility and i think that's a really key point and let's we're i just want to i don't want to cut this great uh segment off but we, we were running along i think that's that's a key point we can do we feel the freedom to do whatever we want but the constant conversation between our sales and marketing department and production is often about volume when it comes to these different passion projects they'll they'll pretty if, if we're excited about something they'll say yes we'll try our best to you know bring this to consumers in the way that you guys feel about it like when we're really excited about something we love a certain scope of barrels it could be you know no ingredients it's right. just a, a unique and beautiful expression of yeast and bacteria and that's we get really passionate about that and at a certain point we just have a conversation about, you know, here's how much, like, from a business sense, we should right. make of that. And 
the good news to us is that the less we are asked to blend together, the better the beer is going to be, actually. So these small things, these small things that just have a little few ingredients here or there, a small axe and across the sea, stuff like that, that's just going to continue to be the passion project and stuff that we love. Nothing stops us from doing what we want. Like, we, we'll make everything, and it's great. We want to make fruit beers better. We want to make spice beers better. We want to make no-ingredient beers better, specialty barrel beers better, and beyond. And maybe that's something we can get into in the next segment. But I, I think that constant conversation is an important thing to bring up. We should have a whole show on it. And just shout-out to the other half of the rare barrel you don't get to hear on this podcast. Alex, Danielle, work really Tyler, hard Bobby. Yeah. On all that. And thank you, Danielle, for representing that on here. But we'll take a break. Yes, but I want to bring... Scott has something break. to say. He gives me this something to say I sign. Wanna, I just want to bring it back around full circle because... Uh, Justin, and by the way, we are going to bring a song back. Yes. Out of this break. We're yes. going to bring Mike's song back. We will. But, yeah. uh, but quickly, I just wanted to go uh, full circle back to because Justin sent in that cool question about the uh, the, the barrels. And remember, I, I said he's a pro brewer. Uh, and uh, it's it's Banger, Maine, where his spot is. Great. Uh, and That's I, way I up they're, there. They're not quite banger? open yet. No, Julie the banger? Cat. Did you say Banger? Julie the Cat Gaffney. Was I from hardly banger, know her. Thank you, Okay. Thank, thank you, Jennifer, for and, and, and making also, that easy to just have that joke out there. We have, <laughs> we have, we can someone explain that? Of, uh, some of Justin's beer. I forgot when I was in what? Colorado, he sent one of his brewers here with some beer, and but I wasn't here to receive it, so I need to track it down. But is it in the building? It's, um, it must be, because he dropped well, it off here with, it the, with the staff. So I'm going to try and find it. his name again? I'll drink uh, it. This is Justin uh, from... Thank you, Justin. Uh, the Maniacal. Maniacal. Sorry, Thank Justin. You. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so cool question and cool process, and I'm going to try and track down the beer. We'll try and pop your bottle open, and yes. we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Wheaton, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. Hey, this is Avery with Two Brown Thumbs from Jester King Brewery in Austin, Texas. You're listening to The Sour Hour on The Brewing Network. Now and then I think of when we were together Like when you said you felt so happy you could die Told myself that you were right for me But felt so lonely in your company Oh, uh, yeah. We are back. So, huh? <laughs> 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 
You got your way, Stefan. We're back. Song. We're back on the show, actually, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple things. Thanks for the lead in, Avery. We're just uh, singing your praises during the break. One of the best brewers in the country, Avery, the head brewer of Jester King. With two brown thumbs. We are going to uh, the California Crop Brewers uh, Association uh, Summit, annual fall summit in Sacramento in uh, early September. Uh, Avery will be speaking there. I'll actually be moderating moderating that panel. Nice. Very excited for that, and everyone's uh, excited to hear Avery talk. She absolutely knows what she's talking about. We've been talking about uh, mixed culture, mixed culture management, fruit, fruiting rates, and everything in between. She's just one of the best people in craft beer. So Love it. Appreciate that. And also the lead-in song from the break was courtesy of Mike from Oakland. Good job, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Who just left us a... uh, he just left us a review. This is proving that this thing works. Gautier cover. The Gautier cover where everyone plays. You're watching the video, Scott? Oh, my number one mistake in sour beer is playing Gautier's <laughs> Gautier covers. The biggest mistake in sour beer is not listening to all those Gautier covers. Awesome. <laughs> That Gautier so song by, brought to you by... The Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. It's where to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria from Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast. <laughs> Most items will ship within 24 hours, and best of all, BN listeners in the continental U.S. get a flat eight shipping rate on $8 shipping rate on orders under 50 pounds. Just enter BN Shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop. A contribution from Tommy other than the F word. (laughs) So, Tommy, pass that back to me. Tommy, we're going to go to you for this. Uh, Goatier to you. I just made that joke, Stefan. Nice. Just awful. (laughs) Stefan, pipe down, please. Thank you. Pipe down, please, Stefan. Good boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, we talked. We talked in the previous show about uh, a little bit about kind of barrel treatment and stuff like that, cellar ba- and how it affects cellar balance. Curious, Tommy, you're doing a lot of tasting. You're working with uh, Stefan quite a bit on a lot of our blends as they become blends, the beer before they become beer. And maybe you can just start to talk a little bit about your experience on that in the last year and seeing how things have changed and what do you think is working and not working? What do you like and not like over the last year? That's a lot of questions. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I'd say what is working is our blends are becoming more complex, and because of that, better. We don't necessarily have all straight acid beer that we're trying to combine. Um, we have a little bit more of a red characteristic to some of our beers, a little bit more bitterness to some of our beers, a little bit more acidity to some of our beers still. And uh, we combine all three of those to try to make the uh, best flavor profile that we can. So give us some day-to-day. Like, what are you doing day-to-day? You're tasting through the stacks. What what do you like? What do you don't like? Uh, day-to-day is basically barrel readings and movement for me. Drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Professional. Drinking, drinking no, and driving the forklift. <laughs> it's a lot more drinking than make it sound like. <laughs> False. Hashtag fake news. Yeah, we take uh, pHs, gravities, and um, temperature, temperature, uh, some sensory analysis as well. Basically, we're just trying to find components of potential beer blends that we think will work best with each other. 
not only that, but like we're also looking for some stability stuff. So what's yeah, stability what's up with is that? important for us as well. It's kind of up in the air what we consider completely stable at this sure. point. So what what is what is stable to us? Um, six to eight weeks of the same Plato readings. To what degree? I want a rack of beer next week. I want a bottle of Tommy. Give it okay. to me. Tell um, me. Tell me what I'm looking for. Mike? Plus or minus 0.1 Plato is probably the uh, max that we would deal with. And we're using the uh, Anton Parr <laughs> density meter there. Yes. DMV which is an ex- yeah, expensive piece of equipment. But, I mean, who can, oh, why, why not hydrometer? I don't know. Why not hydrometer? Big sample. Volume? So we... Big volume guy. So we're like, human you know, error. worried about carbonation. human error, worried about carbonation, worried about alcohol content, which also affects the DMA. But uh, maybe this is a tone I set from the beginning, but hyper uh, sensitive, hyper paranoid about over carb and hyper paranoid. Uh, that's a new beer coming out. Hyper paradise. Um, official official today. We can actually talk about that. But, um, you know, it's like sour beer. It's unique when it comes to beer, right? Because it's like you can package a beer that you think is amazing and send it out to people, and then it becomes like actually a danger to them, right? Because it's like you, you know, don't we get stability. Definitely have that concern as well. Uh, we do our best to remedy that situation in particular. You haven't had any incidents, have you? We have not, but we've been also like super paranoid. Well, but I wouldn't say we've had an incident, but we have had times or time. When maybe we cut it a little close on that, and then we thought, ooh, this maybe is has the potential for um, overcarbonation. Maybe, Jenna, you can, you can walk us through that a little bit, just in a generic way. Like, if hypothetically there was a beer that, like Tommy was saying, you like to see six to eight weeks of, you know, within 0.1 Play-Doh, density meter readings, stability, that gives us good confidence, and that's to a certain extent arbitrary, but that's been our our standard. You got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. But what if something's kind of on the move? Like Jenna, you can walk us through maybe just some concerns from the quality perspective of you have a beer in conditioning. What are the concerns there as we open a bottle? <laughs> and it didn't explode, so that's great. All right, a non-incident. Not ours, but non-incident. <laughs> so. I, I hear from people that six to eight weeks is a lot for yeah. stability, but for our seller... And point one is small. Point for, one is point small. Point one Play-Doh. Yeah. Very so small. So we're, we're looking at uh, kind of residual sugar content in a, in a beer that's Play-Doh. And so we want to make sure that, especially when we're doing secondary additions and a lot of fruiting... That we, that our microbes have kind of fermented out all the other sugars that we're adding to that beer when we add a bunch of fruit to it. So it's a little bit more complex than just having wort that then gets fermented and then we know what the kind of terminal gravity could possibly be for that. It's definitely different when we're adding a bunch of fruit and more fermentables. And... We want to make sure that our beer is stable when we bottle. We are adding sugar and adding yeast for our bottle conditioning. And when we may or may not make a mistake of packaging a beer before it has a very long stability period, 
we can have a beer drop below pre-sugar addition uh, for bottle conditioning post-bottling. So, so, that, it, so just to, to expand that out a little bit, that's if we have many readings in the barrel leading up to a potential packaging date, we have consistent readings, but then we bottle it, and then let's say it's at one Play-Doh or something like that. We package it. We add sugar to package We add sugar, it. so then it's at one point, for nine. example, nine. And then the re-fermentation happens, and then, and then it, it goes back to one. And then maybe point eight. 0.9, then point 0.8, and then point 0.7. And then, then you start to think... You're okay, adding we, carbon dioxide to that. We're not just re-fermenting the sugar that we added. We are re-fermenting un, previously unfermentables. Mm. And then we have to start to flag that for just concern. Just, hey, let's watch this. Wait, so what, what changed that made them fermentable at this point? Nothing chemically changed to make them fermentable. It's basically that they just were kind of sitting around and didn't ferment for a long period of time. Sometimes it could be acid content versus yeast health. Sometimes it could... We add healthy yeast at bottle conditioning. So when we have a relatively like medium amount of, of sugar before we add sugar for bottle conditioning... We're kind of concerned sometimes that when we add healthy yeast to the the barrel that already has yeast and bacteria and stuff that may have gone dormant, when we add healthy yeast to that, when we mix for bottle conditioning, it might pick up and be able to ferment those leftover sugars better than what was left in the barrel. Hmm. So, which is one reason we want to leave leave it sitting around for six, eight weeks before adding that extra that extra yeast and that extra sugar because we're adding healthy yeast and that's our goal is adding healthy yeast to carbonate but if it can ferment sugar that was in a barrel that the brett and the bacteria and the other yeasts couldn't then you know we can sometimes get a little bit over carbonated beer mm-hmm. and we've not uh, experienced like any kind of explosions before, but if it starts to creep down past what the gravity reading was before we added the sugar at bottle conditioning, we have that concern. So we'll hold it before we sell it to a customer because that can clearly be a problem. And I've said it before on the show where I've been paranoid at the start of this brewery about, you know, just not, I mean, I, I worked at the brewery for a while before this, and I was involved in this process, but I guess it was, I don't know, I just, we, we felt good about it at the time, and then started the Rare Barrel, and then I just started to worry about, well, what if, like, there's hypertenuative yeast strains in these beers, and what if what I'm doing at the Rare Barrel is different from the brewery and then it just goes to zero all the time, zero Play-Doh or zero specific gravity? And I got really worried. So I just started emailing people, like all these sour brewers, and I think I've said this before, but it just it was kind of all over the map, whereas like some people would say, oh, I don't package on 0.0. And then other people were like, oh, I package at three Play-Doh, four Play-Doh, no problem. And then other people were kind of split in the middle. All great brewers, like who I have never had a, an instance of 
over carbonation issues. And so what do you do at that point? So at that point, we decided to prepackage some of our first beers at the rare barrel and see what w- happened and just, yeah. And wait and just wait like they were ready. They tasted good. They were fine. And, and if they were ready, like they were then today, we would, we would package them. They were stable, but we did two to three months in the barrel, two to three months in the bottle. Plus that's what took us quite a long time to get our first beers out. But I would recommend that approach to everyone. It's not like I recommend all the approaches we do to everyone, but that is the absolute most conservative way to go about it. You don't know your strains, your mixed culture until you know them. So I'd be very conservative because some people have zero zero beer. Some people have three Play-Doh beer. And once you put it out there, you can't get it back. I mean, uh, you know, so Danielle's still in here and is like, that's a big customer problem where it's like, if you just put a beer out there and it's got three, four Play-Doh left in it. But at the brewery, we had beers that were three, four Play-Doh left in it. Award-winning beer. Just well, why don't they experience problems? I can't explain it. Stability is an extremely complex issue. And for us at the Rare Thank Barrel... Thank you, Mike, so for yeah. saying I'm not dumb for not understanding. <laughs> no, no. You're, no. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those sugars are unfermentable, too. <laughs> I, I, I implied that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's such a case-by-case case and something that Jenna's been working extremely hard on the past few months is like, you know, she comes to me and she's like, well, how do we... What's this beer? You know, like, it's it was at this and we, you know, so it was at... What, what was the gravity when we fruited it? And I was like, yeah, well, so 25% of the beer was three months old, and then the other 25% was maybe six months old, and then the rest of it was four months old. She's like, okay, cool. Like, what was that gravity? Like, yeah, we have that right here, and here are the readings. Like, okay, cool. And she's got to work to trace back, like, well, what were the volumes in the barrels of that? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, just you're the scientist. Figure it out. <laughs> you know? Great leadership. Yeah. What's the delta on that? And, you know, it's like, well, I mean, theoretically, maybe some of those were like 1.5, and the rest of them that are four plus months old were 0.35. You know, it's, and so for us, it's consistently you have to look at is a beer stable? And, you know, what they were just talking about is like at six weeks at 0.1 degrees Play Doh. And a lot of our beers generally are like they've been fruited, they've undergone a secondary refermentation or fermentation from fruit sugar. Um, we add young beer or fermenting beer or yeast in some way to the tune of 2 to 5%. And this is kind of blind, but, you know, based on pressures and transfers and hose length by volume of, like, let's help this this aged beer out with some young beer that might be undergoing a primary fermentation to help consume some of that easily fermentable fruit sugar in the tanks. And then we'll put that beer to back to barrels to kind of, quote, unquote, stabilize and when we perceive this beer to be stable for that six to eight weeks. And sometimes, you know, we'll find a beer that's, we fruited it, it's been in a tank for two weeks, and you know what, it all, it only needed six weeks back in the barrel, and now we're ready to package it. There's a few cases where that, you know, we fruited maybe a beer, maybe it was a higher a fruiting rate, or for whatever reason there was more younger beer in there, and it took five, six months to, to get to our definition of stability, you know, that 0.1 degree Play-Doh. There is there are a ton of calculators. I've seen them all, you know, like homebrew calculators on like you're gonna blend a beer that is seemingly stable and what type of priming sugar and what's your yeast pitching rate for bottle conditioning. Whether you're just pitching hydrated dry yeast and you want to factor in, you know, like maybe a you're making a starter like we do with the terminal acidic shock method that we've kind of, you know, modified or whatever, thanks to Jenna. 
and I, I always hate to give these answers, but for what we do, there is no, I would love to give everyone out there X, Y, Z is what we do at the Rare Barrel, but we have a ton of staff. We have every single beer we make is under a microscope, and we still screw up. We still make mistakes, and we learn from them, and it's rough, but stability is something for our goal our is process. that they just don't get out there. Yeah, our goal, yeah. And, you know, we've they never... Just go down the drain. Yeah, we've never... We've dumped a ton of beer. I mean, we really have, and we're... <laughs> like, it's, yeah, literally stuff. a ton. Literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you said ton? I've done the paperwork. Ton, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stephon and Jay have done the, you know... Oh, it's is, painful. I can only it imagine. I, I watch a bartender here, and they just they do that thing where they sort of pour out the head part and then re-pour yeah. a little no, bit. No, I'm like, close. no. Yeah, no. Think, of that. think of a bottle, and they're just like, oh, you want to sell this, Scott? I'm just going to break it over the bar yeah. and then dump it down the drain. Or, or, or hundreds of oak barrels. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we're drowning yeah. in. But, yeah. <laughs> you're drowning in and beer. Any you have to roll up the doors. There's so much beer going down the drain. There's a loss yeah. there. There's but a loss, al- for sure. Also, uh, expanding on your idea of stability, it's it's not just the readings we're getting. Absolutely. We spend so much time as a team tasting through every barrel for stability of off flavors that can't actually be analytically tested or that are just kind of out of our reach for being analytically tested. And I've been working on kind of trying to quantify that kind of analytic, but we, I think, do a great job at the Rare Barrel by, like, all right, team, like, we actually have a specific sound that is an alarm that gets played through the, like, yeah, we're like through... Okay, we're about to it's hear. a rap horn. <laughs> it's the hip-hop synth. Stefan loading it up. <laughs> through the, through the system. The big Drake guy. No, no, Stefan. Wait, hold on. That was not. Stefan, you had a chance. Everyone. Here it is. I had a chance and I apologize. (laughs) We'll we'll cut that out. (laughs) Nice. So it just plays like throughout the brewery and then everyone knows... Go taste whatever is on the table because <laughs> we need you to go to be a part of the team and like weigh your your opinion. And I think that that's like something really valuable at the Rare Barrel that we absolutely uh, we have the the whole team doing that. And, well, and to Tommy's point, like you know, Jay gave him a softball and something he didn't mention over there. It was like, hey, what Tommy, that, Tommy, what's the soft toss? The soft toss was like, hey, you're tasting through these barrels all day. What Tommy failed to mention was like, what you, what you do? we have we How have beers. Oh, these, this is six to eight weeks stable. Tommy, I want to bottle this. And you're like, a fundamental soft. Mike, here. I, I wrote it. I wrote it in the in your spreadsheet. It says it's got like a ton of oh, diastole. So let me quantify this. Like six to eight <laughs> weeks stability is. Arbitrary, like um, it's, oh yeah, it's six to eight uh, weeks stability of gravity, not necessarily off flavors. Or correct, like that. correct. What do you mean by that? And actually, expand yeah, on that. Yeah. And even if you, the off flavors go away, we've had a couple what of years that have been fruited at particular times at the or at the same time, yep. um, but they develop differently. So, like, so sometimes like way you, early. Can, you can have like diacetyl or sulfur or something like that, or just some weird thing going on yeah. in THB, and <laughs> that's a real thing, everybody. Uh, <laughs> And then, you know, maybe during that whole time, we're tracking stability, and we have this hard and fast uh, rule for stability. But what what I think uh, Jenna is commenting on is that we're starting to develop the protocol for all these other things as well along the way. We're not there yet, but we're, we're, we're starting to and say, like, so what is, what is sulfur 
clearing up mean to us? Like, and how many barrels does it take and how long does it take or diacetyl or, you know, isovaleric acid or something else like that, that we feel like is volatile over time. Now there's other things, of course, like acetic acid or ethyl acetate that is only going to get worse over time, right? And then then that's in, that's in the cellar too. That's a lot of stuff that goes down the drain, but it's all, it's all stuff you have to, you have to consider when you're managing a cellar of this size. And that's what I like because I think a lot of the stuff we talk about here is, you know, practical for the, you know, 600, 800, 1000 oak barrel, that cellar that fluctuates for us. And it's challenging to make um, so many different beers and so many different blends at this size. But I love that you guys are all, you know, laying it all out for everyone. You know, we try to be, to your point, Jenna, as uh, analytical as we can on the sensory side of things. But as much as we can, we want to get great equipment like... The iDip. Who dips? I it's a, let's let's bump it. You Mike, you dip? I did. It's a commercial. Dip? 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 We don't don't You know what it does. It incorporates a revolutionary photometer. Calcium. Which is the first and only on the market with its own app. I did perform over 40 water quality tests for things like chloride. That's a thing. Calcium harness, also a thing. pH thing. Sulfate and much more. Podcast listeners, that's you. Should enter code TBN10. That's TBN10 at checkout and save $10 on either standard or advanced. And while you're there, just get the advanced. Smart brew testing kit. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Like if you're like Mike and you just take it home and not use it at the rare barrel. Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. Nice. Yes. Professional radio. Apricot. 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 That's also professional. Apricot. Apricot. The man knows what he's doing. Apricot. You're welcome. All right. I feel like we're ready for a second break. Yes, please. I got a lot. We're way over time. Just a quick shout out to you. Quick shout out to you. You can keep talking while the mics are off. It's fine. Yeah, and I'm sure we will. But quick shout out to Scott for staying late because we're way over. This is the longest. This is definitely going to be the longest show of all time. (laughs) Thank you to Moscow. He's coming back from Fort Collins, Colorado. We love him. He's here. He'll be right back. On the Sour Hour. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. 
you, go to craftbeer.com and click on Beer Styles to start the guide. Plus, enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com, the Brewer's Banter blogs, beer education, how to host a beer tasting, and the invaluable Draft Quality Manual. Tons of great content that makes your beer better. Visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion, camaraderie, and creativity of the craft beer community. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Session. They're not playing that West End girl stuff. Too many shadows, whispering voices, faces on persons, too many choices. If, when, why, what, how much have you got? You got it together, so how often will you choose? Another song from the Rare Barrel playlist. That is the Rare Barrel playlist. Rare Barrel playlist sponsored by Oregon Fruit Products, aseptic purees, easy to use, convenient to store, no additives or artificial flavors, simply great expression over the raw fruit. They love working with the brewers to help us innovate. Check them out. Fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon West Fruit. They bring girl. fruit. Lahaim. West and I have girls. to say, they, they have been really great. When every time I've asked uh, for a pasteurization temperature or any kind of details on their processing to uh, better our quality program, they awesome. just... You know, within the day, have responses, and they're really excited to work with us. So I'm pretty excited. To That's very cool. Target yeah. yeah. the Chris's. Yeah, Chris and Chris. They they mentioned they want to come back down. Yeah, do anytime. That'd be great. Let's do it. One more thing. Quick shout out to our friends at Nishamini. Nishamini. It's Nishamini. Nishamini Creek Brewing. To my Philly beer scene, 2012. You guys know the deal. Millions of medals, hundreds of Philly beer awards, all the things. New tasting room open last spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just like we should just fly out there, do a remote. Yeah, I love Philly. Philly's a great beer town. We went for uh, Crappers Conference. Yeah, yeah, awesome place. That's what the West End song is about. West End. Yeah. I haven't been out there since uh, 2013. The NHC was out there, and it was just really? it was a great time. It was great great city. I to go back. Great, great city. Free brewery tours on Saturdays. New second location, NishaminiCreekBrewing.com. On the record, I've never been there. I would go. Stefan wants On the in. record. He sold. He sold. <laughs> All right. So, guys, home stretch. Last yep. segment. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk just crazy talk now. That's correct. I'll pull the mic from Mike now. 
Double up on the flop. No, sorry, that's the showdown podcast. Sorry. <laughs> you check raise. You for guys turns. should probably really? both talk at the same time, right. Stefan. That's not cross talk. I think rabbit fire. They are one band. It's, it's, it's not rabbit. They might trying to be crazy. Right. So uh, oftentimes, when you guys are on the show, or just when I'm talking on the show, we can speak about what's currently going on, what's been going on in the past, and also so, sometimes we talk about what's going on in the future. So. Uh, we can kind of, it's always troublesome to speak about what's been going on in the past and learn from our experiences and draw conclusions and kind of report that out wider. And I, I've, we've even got emails about stuff we used to do and now we don't do, and that can be troublesome. But I don't, I think that's just the nature of this podcast is that we are discussing things that are not yet discovered and it's it's a round table it's a, we're just bringing up topics it's an open discussion we're not meant to be definitive or anything like that we try but what i'd like to center this section of the podcast on is just what you guys are all excited about going forward what could we do at the rare barrel we're starting to plan new things and you know, I know Jenna, you and I uh, talked about this, what was it, this week, last, I guess this is just the new week right now. Uh, last week we talked about a, a lot of new uh, quality projects we could do at the Rare Barrel. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about what we're doing with, you know, canning, maybe. What? <laughs> can you can can Trialing that out. What Let's talk about new brands. We're exploring. Just matter. Let's talk about. Let's just throw it out there. Let's just throw stuff out there wildly. Not saying we're going to do any of this. Not saying it's good or bad or otherwise. Just I want you guys to wildly speculate about the future of not only our brewery but craft beer, sour beer, all that stuff. What ideas are you guys excited about? What I really want to do in this segment is show people what it's like to work at the rare barrel and have that discussion in the back. You know, we're we're at Friday. We've got we got great guest beers at the at the brewery. Too you can late. check out four thirty on Friday four and o'clock. Yeah, four o'clock. Four o'clock. <laughs> Sour Your Canner. No, like 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 four eighteen. Four eighteen. Well Rob Sean Four forty-five. Yeah. Everyone else, uh, four fifteen. <laughs> I'm here. I'm working for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Mike, late. Mike, say something about cans because Jay said the yes. word cans. So and, I, I'm not saying. Uh, I'm not saying. I'm not Jay saying. Can no, I'm canner. Hold on. I'm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I just want to throw stuff out there. You guys just. You know, this is our last segment. Throw stuff out you're excited about, you're speculating about what could be cool, what are you excited about in crap beer, sour beer. Throw it out there. What do you think? And I'm going to start with my man over there, Sean. Yeah, you? Sean, you're up. <laughs> Still wearing pants. Still at this point wearing pants. pants. Still wearing pants. Congratulations, Sean. Where are your cutoffs? I'm, 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 I'm in cutoffs. Where are your cutoffs? Oh man! Well, Rob's 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 Rob is. Um, I thought we were. I thought we were a team. I thought we were a team. <laughs> Rob is never nude, so <laughs> exactly. Arrested Development. Literally, I beg to differ. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'll call it never nude. I'm just saying. <laughs> like it's a never nude teller. Sean, what's up? Like, what are you excited about? What 
What is going on? What makes you I think, mean, Sean? Talk to me. I think excited what we're doing right now is terrible saying, but since we've already dropped the F word, I'm certainly <gasps> going to do it. Um, so if you have young children listening to a beer podcast, I have a lot of questions for you. However, <laughs> please, uh, from one of us there. Well put. I mean, I think in the end, honestly, the beer industry is a lot about no fruit, no fucks. You know, we see that constantly in our sales. What's exciting for us is that, you know, we get to respond a little bit with, okay, well, you don't fucking care either. Like, we get to make some of the beers that we really want to make, whether that is beers that we as production wholly agree upon are fantastic, or that, you know, honestly, most of us agree upon and then the other rest of us hate. Who cares? We get to actually do that. And that is some of the fun things that we are moving towards. You know, we've definitely shifted significantly. The problem with, you know, sour beer is I think we've been harping on this for, what, a year, year and a half now. Of like, oh, yeah, we're hopping. Oh, yeah, we're changing things. You don't see that in the product. We see that as production because we get to taste the beers along the way. Yep. I mean, we have... A beer right now. Talking about bitterness got, or dry hopping? I, Whatever it may I, be. I think more the big focus right now is acidity levels. Yeah, so in a microbial inhibition mostly. Sure. You know, we have a beer right now that we just recently released that, you know, our pH on that is super low. And the reason for that is because we what wanted beer? to make this beer. We what put beer it is in. That? Oh, okay. Man, what I cat? get to have some fun what here. Yeah. Um, you know, Entanglement is a... It is a fantastic beer. Actually, I consider it a fantastic beer, but that pH on that is what 0. 0.4, 0. 0.6, actually, to a certain point, pH lower than the other beers that we're releasing. Mm. That is a beer that we've had to delay. That's a beer that we've had That's to. An orange zest and vanilla bean golden is sour. It I thought it was Entanglement. Entanglement? <laughs> Anyway, Thank sorry. Continue. Gold sour with orange peel and vanilla. And That's vanilla. Stefan, continue, Sean. You know, it's one of those beers that we put into tank. We started making, and we weren't happy with the numbers. Were not, you know, the the numbers were not right. The flavor was not right, and the the flavor was certainly not there. You know, and literally the day before we go to bottle this beer, this beer is already you know, on average what over a year old, you know, we go, oh, yeah, we're not going to bottle that tomorrow. You know, we are extraordinarily lucky that we have the opportunity to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jay, Alex, and Brad. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) this is not, you know, this is not how a typical brewery runs. Yeah, let's make this better. Let's make this better. And we sent it back to Barrel. You know, that is not a beer that we were happy with. This is not a beer that was... You know, up to our standards, and we made the decision right then and there: do we dump it? Do we send it back to barrel? We send it back to barrel, and we return to it. You know, once again, I'm maybe not the best person to actually know the numbers of the months. However, we return to it a number of months time. later, and we then go, okay, we're going to make this beer better. We're going to add fresh orange zest in addition to the orange peel. The orange peel character is giving us a lot more. Honestly, Indian spice character, we then add orange peel on top of it. We add vanilla. This is a beer that is a representative of maybe the older style that the Rare Barrel is known for. 
um, you know, that pH is significantly lower than anything else we've released recently. It's a, a, a carryover. However, that beer is so much better than not only what it was, but as well as even though it's a lower pH, I think it fits beautifully into our portfolio. A whole um, new world. Yes, you do. Is that a, 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 a whole new world? It trademark the Rare Barrels. Trademark in 17. It represents <laughs> You know, oh, I, oh, another world. That's right. Keep I think these on. are the things that I'm personally very excited for of, you know, we have this shift that's going on that we're finally being able to show to our consumers. We've talked about it for so long, yeah. but it takes us a long time from reacting to what's going on to implementing to getting into barrel to then finally getting into a finished product. And that's part of the fun of what we do. We're not a brewery that can react in two, three weeks' time. Absolutely. Um, or, or, you know, two, or two, three weeks represents, to a typical brewery, two, three hours yeah. or two, yeah. three days yeah. or something like that. You know, and at the same time, I love that beer. And beer is delicious. For yeah. me personally, you know, I'm sure everyone has their own opinions on it. That, um, and that's the other fun part about all of what we do here. But yeah, I mean that's a it's a great beer, and then we have that sitting alongside Small Axe that just got released, mm-hmm. which is a significantly different beer. That's a significantly different beer than the rare barrels that been defined by previous and brands. And I love both those beers. I love that we can showcase that diversity. I go and pour myself a beer. I'm super excited about it. You know, we're also doing fun things, as you say. You know, I'm I'm gonna let other people talk to uh, some cans and things like that. Um, That's a great beer to talk about because we took that from this uh, process that we used to have of like the dry peel, and mm. we turned that into a. You know, we were not super stoked about that, and we turned it around and we're like, hey, let's add some fresh orange zest to it. And that's kind of a, a great turning point of where we're processing our beers. Like, hey, we had this dry zest, and it, it came off a little too spicy, a little too, you know, a little too dry. And we wanted more of a fresh orange character to it. And so we ended up putting it back to barrels. We came back to it, and we said, hey, what's this beer going to need? And then we all as a crew, turn to, like, hey, we need fresh zest. We want something bright. We want something juicy. And we took that beer, and we added fresh zest to it, and we turned it around. We turned it from something that was we weren't super stoked about, and we turned it into something kind of cool, in my opinion. Like, we turned it from this spicy kind of, yeah, like you said, Indian spice orange character, and we turned it into a fresh orange zest we turned into this creamsicle thing that i think we were originally wanting to lead it into and it was a really cool transition to that beer because that beer went through a lot of ups and downs of hey this beer is cool we love this idea and then it turned into hey this beer is not what we want to be is this going to be something we don't want to produce and then it turned into this is something ultimately very cool like like it's it's a very fresh cream sickly beer like that's where i feel about it right now it's like it's 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 got the best of both worlds and i i think i appreciate everything you said uh rob and sean i think that 
that moment is where you you guys are making and it, you know I, I I say this sometimes and maybe people outside of the studio don't really know how true this is but the people in this room that are not me as Rob is giving the middle finger to <laughs> Stefan or me I don't know Stefan <laughs> at that point in the a, show I gave you an empty bottle and you tried to pour it like it was water it but there was no I was water. gearing up for a serious moment <laughs> but Stefan that's have okay Stefan We'll we'll take care of you for the rest of the night. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, what I appreciate what you guys had to say is um, something that, you know, I want to make clear is that the staff in this room right now, they make the beer. Absolutely. And I've said this before. It is not a, like, humble position I'm taking. And the people in this room know that this is true. You guys make the beer. And you're making the day-to-day decisions. And I think that entanglement decision, when we had the original beer, and it was on the packaging schedule, and we had it ready to go, and it was like, this is how we move. You know, we're we're so into being efficient and moving the brewery forward, and it's like we do this project, then we do the next one, then we do the next one. And this was a time where you guys all represented the opinion that, you know what, this might be – Good, I, and I think the way you described the uh, character of that beer was accurate. Where it's like, okay, it's like an Indian spice. It's just not quite yeah. right. It's just not. It wasn't quite right. It's not so, where it. Sean, you said the decision was to put it back to the barrel and adjust it, or or adjust or dump. Right. So, we made the decision to adjust. Not with the intention of like we're still absolutely going to release this beer, but yes, yeah, right. So, but that was an important point because you guys were like, "Stop," and that's that's critical. And Jenna knows this as well as anyone that the stop sign is just as important as the green light. And you know, Mike, Stefan, a lot of you guys in this room are. You know, your job is predicated on the green light and turning and burning tanks and all this stuff and putting beers in bottles, and that's how a brewery survives. But uh, having this stop moment on the table ultimately for you guys is always really important. And I think when we went back to barrel and then adjusted, I think we were all, at least, uh, well, I won't represent anyone else's opinion, but my opinion was, that I also agreed. I was like, this beer is not good enough to release at this point. But then it went back, and then it came back again, and then I was happy with it. I was like, this is this is something we can be proud of. It is a unique beer in the lineup. It's very fruity and fragrant and zest-forward, and it represented a whole new thing, a whole new world, uh, that we're doing with zest beers. But it changed a lot for the positive and it became a beer that we were proud to release. And even if it wasn't a beer that we were proud to release, we would have dumped it then anyway. I mean, Tommy, you've dumped how many hundreds of barrels? And, you know, Stefan, you three guys have four. set up the <laughs> three or four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you set up those tastings and all that stuff. We taste a lot of bad beer. We are not shy about that. So, But it's a little bit different to have a golden sour beer that is unassigned, that maybe has some ethyl acetate or some acetic acid or some sulfur or isovaleric acid or whatever it's going to be or just taste like garbage for whatever reason. 
and you're just like, let's dump that, to a beer that we spent time putting ingredients into. We process ingredients, and this is like on the schedule, and it's like we want to make this beer. We've developed labels, all this stuff. You put so much investment in it, and then it seems different, but that was a really good example of you guys saying it's not It's not any different. That's something it's, I'm really proud of being at the Rare Barrel. Like That's one of the things I'm really proud of being about the Rare Barrel is we have the influence to say, hey, this beer isn't tasting good. We should make adjustments. And you can't say that about a lot of places where, you know, we're just the staff. We do things and, you know, we, you know, that's our, our job. But the, the fact that we can say, hey, something is not going right. And we have the authority, like just being in production, like all of our jobs combined, having the voice to say, hey, let's do something different. This isn't where we want to be. This isn't the beer we want to release. To me, being a small part of this entire, you know, rare barrel, you know, production team, that's something that's really important is saying we can say, hey, let's put on the brakes. Let's make something that we want to produce. That's awesome. So I just want to say that I want to put a cherry on top of this. I love the beer that actually ended up coming out. Entanglement. Check it out. It's fantastic. I, I really like it. It's very fresh zest, orange cream skull, a lot of great stuff going on. But that's that's one the that the brewery smelled great while we were. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a, it's literally been a roller coaster of a beer. Of we've loved it, we've hated it, and now personally, I've come to love it because we were shooting for cream skull. Yeah. And we hit creamsicle. Like, it's a creamsicle beer. Yep. And that's one of the things. We've talked a lot about this beer right now, but ultimately it's it's actually coming back to one of the beers that I really love that we're about to put out. It's, like, something so cool, and I love the transition that's come through. For sure. Thomas. Great example, Sean. So now I want to move on to Tommy. What, what are you excited about for the future? Um, our foray into fresh ingredients, I guess. Yeah. Um, Talk about that. <laughs> A lot of stuff that's um, fresh versus Oregon fruit puree, which is a great supporter of this podcast. Awesome. A fantastic product. and uh, It's one tool in the tool shed, though. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy's um, a big tool guy. Yeah, big fan <laughs> of tools, especially huge large tool. tools. Tommy's my, favorite. Tommy's my favorite tool. Tommy's a huge no, tool. No, but even um, just a comparison between um, fresh and pureed products, sometimes the fresh is better. We Depends, right? The fresh product. The puree is better, yeah. Uh, especially for absolutely. things like uh, berry products for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in particular, blackberries and black currants and things yes. like that. We've had um, decent uh, products produced from the purees. So it's Go not necessarily fresh is better than puree. It's and I, really- I've heard I've heard from various breweries, and they all have different takes on different things. And it's like it's it's to everyone's taste. Also, I, I really feel like some people like certain sources, and that's a big thing in craft beer. Is like. That's almost like uh, your fermentation character, your house character, your terroir gets into your sourcing of fruit. Like that's, that's such a big part of beer making that it's just like be open to everything. Of course, you know, Oregon Fruit is doing a great job of working with brewers and making it easy. But at the same time, it's like they can't make every fruit. You can't source it from everywhere. I mean, actually, they're open to it, and they're really willing to work with you. But 
you know, no, still it's sure. like they're in Oregon. Like sometimes, you can, they, sometimes it's, it's concentric circles. You know, it's like what do you, how do you want it processed or like ultimately, do you want, like do you want to work directly with the farm or whatever? Ultimately, we want to make the best beer regardless yeah, of what products are required to make it, whether it's puree or fresh product. Absolutely, we're do what it takes. What do we what did we just get this morning? We got two like frozen drums of. Tart, lychee, whatever you, photometer. Lychee. Yeah, today we got two frozen lychee. drums of lychee from, I don't know if I'm allowed somewhere. to say where they're Two from. tens somewhere. of photo uh, But we also they're got great. like 600, 750 pounds lychee. of fresh no. uh, oh, grain. Lychee. I got lychee. Lychee photometers, they're great. They're great for data gathering processes. What? Good God, Stefan. Let, let's help me go. Go ahead, Tommy. Leaky, uh, I don't remember. Um, it, like I said, it Masamoto just really depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah, right. But you're excited about the new frontier on... I'm just excited about so trying to compare particular so products from one to the other and really trying to pick the best of what we have available. Awesome. Sometimes organ fruit is the way to go, and then yes. we are seeing that there is benefits to fresh fruit, fresh zest. To take away from Tommy, you're, you're most excited from... Fresh ingredients, processing ingredients, and how they work with our beer. Most excited about in introducing new ingredients to our portfolio. Okay. Hell yeah. Cool. Mostly the boys. Jenna. I started my job here in October and had, like, so many ideas and just folders of, of ideas and problems that I could solve and, and kind of an explosive thing. And I've kind of been working... My way through that with with Jay and um, and Alex and and I'm really excited that I've kind of gotten into the rabbit hole of a bunch of different topics and learned a lot. But I just recently Jay was nice enough to be like, okay, well, let's take it back and kind of like like write a plan for. A sensory program and the lab build out and things like so. So don't just get involved in the diving down in into the depths of day to day, week to week, day to day, week to week kind of stuff that gets me caught up and uh, like it's very that exciting. I told you to <laughs> and then I just I just like when dive into things that 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 may be causing a problem at the brewery right yeah. now. But I'm very, because I'm, you know, very easily directed in that kind of like, oh, this is exciting. All right, let's go. But it, it was it was very, very considerate and very, it made me feel really good about my career to be kind of brought back to like, this is what. Continue to compliment <laughs> like, me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is. Still, what we want. Like, remember when we hired you and we told you that this is what we wanted you to do? It's like, okay, right. Like, I still got to do that, and I think the the direction is really good. And and uh, but I still get a good like fifty percent of my time definitely allocated towards going down rabbit holes, which is the most fun. Yeah. For someone who's like a you know microbiologist by heart. To just how do we dive into that? How do we prep for a bottling run? How do we limit THP? How 
what's the oxygen pickup in Cerebrir making? Yeah, you just you what get to is, explore questions that don't how do you how do you drive how do you drive Brett character? Amazing, there's unlimited questions. there's unlimited questions in these areas, and we're excited for exploring those avenues in the future. Yeah, some questions that I can't even begin to. Yeah. You know, some questions that I'm just kind of breaking into, but uh, a lot of things that I get kind of reminded that this is really the core of of our like of my work with the rare barrel, and uh, I've just kind of been rejuvenated recently about those ideas, and I'm pretty excited about that. If that answers your question. Absolutely. Now <laughs> now to Rob, who's only going to work for us for another three weeks, what are you going to accomplish in those three weeks? Uh, <laughs> sounds going to be... By the way, Portland, Oregon. Look at this guy. Call out a player when you see him in the street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. We like this guy. I Big Rob try. guy. I try. Huge Rob guy. Yeah. All right. Next, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I try. That's... That's my resume to Oregon. I try. No, (laughs) we gotta hire this guy. (laughs) Hey Jake, can you? um, I got a great person for you to hire for the position that Rob's leaving. Um, (laughs) He's in the room right now. Could we Moscow? Got two, uh-huh. Moscow has soft hands. He can't. He can't handle those oak barrels That's like right. Rob can. That's right. These are hard, <laughs> hardest hands, man. They're valuable. It's the thing. I mean, you have he to be, painted you that. Have he painted to be, that hydrometer. You have to be soft, soft but firm with the barrels. Well, that's for another time. I, I, told, Tom, I told Tommy tonight. <laughs> Do you guys, shout out do you guys Ro- pay? Because Justin doesn't pay me. No, no, no oh, not at all. Shit. Well, that's what I'm used to. Wait, Rare Barrel pays? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone's on an internship. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Portland, Oregon. Hit us up, Jay at, Jay at the Brewing Network dot com. Want to hire this guy? And you will not be sorry. I guarantee no one will that. Work harder. I like cleaning stuff, and he's yeah. a big clean guy. All right, Michael. <laughs> no, no, Rob, go. So, what are you excited? Are we, I, I, I want to hear about. I thought he was just being humble. No, 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 I want to hear what Rob's amazing. excited about in sour beer in general. Just whatever. whether it's the rare barrel or mixed fermentation, whatever you feel. Slow mixed fermentations, you know, fresh fruit. I think Oregon has. They, they've got some farms and stuff. Mixed it's cool. Rare. But. <laughs> The meltdown. Is this, is this, oh, it started That's my meltdown. That's your meltdown, Jay. That's your meltdown. I'm not melting. I'm only the rare belt. That's yours. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Rob. Meltdown. <laughs> right, we got that one right. That's good. Apricot. A- apricot. Apricot. What's up, Rob? What? What's, so, so we're working on a whole bunch of stuff. I know you're... Uh, At the rare barrel, yeah. Yeah. You gave us a, a big time notice. It's credit to you. And... You have not stopped for a second your passion for what we're doing, even though you're you're moving on to Portland, Oregon, and great brewing adventures up there. But I know since you have done that, that you are very passionate about our current project still. Like, you are very present in the moment. You're, like, yeah. all about what you're doing right now. What are you passionate about? What do you think is really cool that could be done in sour beer overall and just the rare barrel in the next i don't know year or so what are you excited about that was like a very like compound mixed question of the next sour hour what you just said (laughs) personally what what it comes comes down to is the rare barrel gave me the opportunity to become what i have become in beer essentially it's like 
I came into Rare Barrel, and, you know, Rare Barrel gave me the opportunity that I wanted it. And essentially, I try to exploit that the best I can. And that comes to, you know, barrel treatment is where I kind of came into and making the best beer that we can. And that's what I kind of grew into in my production experience is packaging, like trying to find the best way to package sour beers, trying to, you know, make the best utility of our barrels, coming into more of a, you know, production, more contemporary seller kind of position. But you, you, you just like toss me like a very like broad... Don't worry about it. It was, it was a knuckleball. Listen, way to go. You, I'm going to I'm gonna say one thing, way and then I'll, I'm going to hand it to Mike. But Rob is a modest guy. He's too modest to say. <laughs> modest is Latin for true. Such a hard word. Essentially, I'm, I'm very flattered to have had the opportunity to be at Rare Barrel and get the experience that I've had. And I'm honestly really excited to spread that to the next place I go to, which is Portland, Oregon, which is very cool. I think whoever whoever gets you is going to be amazed because I, I have to say this: if there are people listening who may hire Rob, he literally saved us tens of thousands of dollars. I'm not joking. No, not a on joke. a single project, yeah, one absolutely. single project, and it was sports. He's betting. a pack. You know, yeah, sports betting. He said, "Giants who in the World Series." He said, "Jay, the Niners suck we, this we year." We gave him a thousand dollars that he's going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> now he he took on a, a very complex packaging project along with uh, Mike. And I didn't do anything. <laughs> so that's that's true. Yeah, I rubbed it every We're on the air, true, so I thought true. I would give you a little credit, but very true, that's, very that's actually true. not true. But Rob's the kind of guy who actually correct. I we, we Mike and I just literally handed him a project that was so important to the brewery, and we we're like, if you can solve this, it will save us thousands of do- thousands and thousands of dollars. And he just fucking did it. He just did it. So he's the guy who gets things done and. You know he's 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 going to be a great asset to a brewery in Portland, and in his email to the staff, you know, saying that he was leaving, he did offer his couch to us, and I will definitely sleep on that couch. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we have a couch. very right. drunkenly when I'm in Portland next time. I will buy that couch. I have pictures of that couch already. Oh, Jesus Christ, Stefan, I don't picture that couch without you in it. So, all right, Mike, Stefan, real quick, thirty thirty seconds. Sure. And by that, I mean one minute. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I guess, just in terms of what's the future for the sour beer, what's the future for... What are you for excited about? Yeah. What's good? Well, I mean, what am I excited about in terms of mixed fermentation? I mean, to me, it's... it's We're just, way over. This is the longest sour hour of what, all time, what by types far. Of, what types of flavors This is going to be three episodes, drive? right, Moscow? That should be. Yes. Let, let's just do it. Okay. Three July episodes? Sure. To me, it's... There are all sorts of specific things, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what, so, to be honest, two words, three, what I'm, two, one, worst. <laughs> what I'm the most the excited about <laughs> are, West are the West End girls. Uh, no, to be honest, it's the okay. new flavors that you can drive that with beers that have, you know, people talk about sour beer or beers that have an acid profile. I think, you know, there's been, particularly over the past, like, few years, two to three years, people have carved the niche out for what sour beer is, and I don't think that's something that should be defined the way it is currently. I think 
we blend beers, you know, it's been the last few months, maybe since February, we've blended a beer with an IPA, and we've blended sour beers with fruit. I don't think there's anything that should say, like, why can't we blend a Pilsner or a Mild or anything with these types of, these mixed fermentation beers that you want to talk about an acid profile, you know, to be a stickler and to, to define beer. Like, sure, all beer is acidic. It has a pH of, you know, generally below below 4.5. You know, that's, that's not necessarily acidic, but that's below basic. So whatever you want to say, you should be pushing the boundaries and thinking critically and acting creatively. And, you know, I look at all these forums and I talk to people and I, I read what home brewers say. I go on these forums or whatnot and I talk to other brewers and you should never be afraid to think outside of what defines, you know, what your you should always be pushing to question yourself about, you know, is this a tart saison? Should I dry hop this? Should I add lactose? Like do whatever you want and ideally do them on a small scale. Um, I understand that there are economic pressures that you're beholden to, and you should think accordingly, obviously. I'm not going to tell you to go put a bunch of, you know, 10 pounds of lactose per barrel into your pecan fruitwood pear sour, but just just think creatively, think creatively, but also intelligently use your, your Jennas in the world, your QAQC people, your Rob and Sean's in the world, your... You know, your seller people, your Tommies in the world, does this taste good? What are the readings on this? Can we do this? Can I rack this into this barrel like this? You know, don't be afraid to challenge these things that people are designating to you as norms. <laughs> Stefan doesn't have No, that 10 seconds. Mike went to a bachelor party for a weekend and came back with, I thought while I was gone. So... Right. Thank you very much. Bye, well. All right. All right, guys. Thank you, Mike. Step on here. Mike, stage uh, two. Mike. All I can hear in my mic is the pet shop. All right, let's turn down. Stefan has been asleep for all these <laughs> no. soliloquies. I've been here. Mike but he has something great. to say. Way to go, Mike. Keep it up. Um, what do you have to say, Stefan? We all agree. What we have right now are a bunch of Saison primaries with a bunch of interesting mixed cultures. They're all great. Seriously, they're all really good. They're all interesting. They're all different. Some of them are ropey. Some of them are not. So keep a lookout. All right. Is that it? Is that seriously? (laughs) You don't have anything else? That's what he's looking forward to. So good. All these things you come up to me during work, you're like, we should be doing this. (laughs) All right. Wait. Hold on. Real quick. There are spirit barrels. You listen back to there are Stephon. fruit <laughs> beers. There are not fruit beers. There are say like I just I just said Mister Rogers of mixed fermentation. You just said it. I, anyway, it's because of your haircut, Stephon. I got a haircut yesterday, <laughs> and I'm, it's a little awkward that it's coming up in this podcast. Would right you now. be my neighbor? <laughs> The end. And it All right. Fire you, know, you went with like the full bowl cut. It doesn't have to be awkward, but you're, you know, no, why the bowl cut? It's a good haircut. I'm trying right, to change I, I the world. Like yeah, so, so, uh, uh, just, just guys. Yeah, guys. go ahead, Stefan. <laughs> guys. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, thank you for destroying that, Mike. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> if there's one thought I want to end on. God bless Scott Moskovitz. <laughs> Just Scott, for sticking this out. Because this is the longest show of all time, and it is crazy. I want to give a quick shout-out 
and you guys can yell it out while you're saying, we've opened a lot of bottles here at the place that we are, which is not a bar. <laughs> anyway. But um, I'm just going to shout out the two in front of me. The Holy Mountain, the Ox, which oh, yeah. is a terrific beer. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, Beechwood Blendery. Come in Grape. Your time is up. That oh, was yeah. a great beer. Ale Song. Uh, go ahead and shout out. Yeah, the Brewery Rex. Brewery Rex. From the last show, I know we talked about that a little bit. We said we opened it. That beer was fucking good. Oh, sorry, Tommy. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what's that, what was that dry hot Beachwood beer over there? That was really good, too. The Citra Galaxy one. Into the Great Unknown. Into the Great Unknown. The great unknown. Yeah. That beer was really good. We got a bunch of beers out here. So thank you guys for making amazing, amazing sour beers. We're going to go have a lot more. And thank you for hanging in with us. Rebel Show. Sorry. Volume 3. Volume 3 like Jay-Z, the best one. Woo! Hey, keep kicking ass over there, guys. The sour beer's tasting fantastic. Thank you, Scott, for hosting. You're Thank welcome. you, Bevo. You're the best, Scott. You're in the, best the house. Bevo. Not really. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to Jay Goodwin. Hey, Your Jay. host man. Who's that? Thanks to all the listeners. Thanks for the questions. Until next time, stay sour. Meltdown.